I want to say welcome to Cornerstone. If we haven't met, my name is Jay, and Celeste and I have the opportunity of getting to lead here at Cornerstone, and it's a blessing to be with you today and to have, uh, to have this opportunity to meet together. I, I don't know about you, but I, that's the very thing that I was asking God for all week, was a time to come and connect with God and to have that moment with Him. And so I hope that it was a blessing to your life. And I hope that it's one of those things that even after you hear what God has laid on my heart for today, that that would be another opportunity for you to come and respond to what, what God is doing. But I know this, he cares very much for us. He loves us very much. And that's why he's willing to come and interrupt all of our plans to have us meet with him in a real tangible way. Amen. Here at Cornerstone, we're about this one thing. It's to be more like Jesus. So I want to encourage you to be on that path. We use this image of walking with Christ and it, it really means uh, a lot to us because the idea is that none of us are finished. All of us are still on the journey with Jesus. Is that true? I know this, the, the more I serve Jesus, the longer I serve Jesus and the more crazy places that I serve Jesus, the more I need Jesus and the more I need to follow Jesus because I don't know the way out. Anybody else? Like I need to go where he's going. And so this is, the, this is the good idea about it, and this is why we use this image all the time. Um, you know, we are talking about, and we are, we're in this theme called Jesus Questions. Jesus Questions. We're going to be looking again today to the scripture. If you have your Bible, your tablet, your phone, looking to John 8, and we'll be going forward from there. In John 8, 2, it says this, Early in the morning, he, meaning Jesus, came again to the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as he continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. Now, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Today we're looking at that question, has no one condemned you? Lord Jesus, we speak over your word today. We ask that you would bless it, breathe upon it, make it alive to us. Transform us by your word, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, uh, you know, I was thinking about this, about how great summer is for kids. How many people remember when you had summer as a kid? Do you guys remember it? As an adult, I know you don't remember. You go to work and it's hot. That's the difference, right? That's about it. You're like, man, you know, and that was the thing, man. When you were a kid, you have that carefree time. You're not in school and then you have to go back, right? Everybody's about to go back or they just started back. But this man, that carefree time of like when you're really going for it. And I remember this, this time, and this is a picture of Javen. He was at the very tippy top of this crazy high, dangerous thing that I'm glad that they built somewhere because it helps kids stretch and do all the things they should be doing, which is at least trying to be dangerous in some way. 
And he was up there. We were in Colorado. We were speaking at churches, traveling, about to go to the Middle East to live there. And, and he was, Javen, man, anything that was high up, he would climb and try to be at the very tippy top of it. That's just like who he was. And he was full-blown going after it. And I really love that because of the adventure that's in him and, and in the girls as well. And there was something about that moment. And I saw this image, and it made me flash back to that moment. I could think about that. I could think about scooping him up. He's just a little dude at that time. And then I think about the very next second, he's this image where he is a grown person, and I'm looking him in the eyeballs. Anybody else? It was like one second, and then this happened, right? And that, man, that is tough. Because you're like, what happened? You were so tiny and fun and all that. And now he's a grown person and almost out. And you're like, oh, no, I have way more things I need to tell you that I need to teach you. You know, it's, it's so awesome. But, you know, part of growing up and doing those things, you know, like me, he had braces. And, and so we, we went into the orthodontist and they're like, man, he's got wisdom teeth. And those wisdom teeth got to come out. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Maybe, man, the Lord bless you if that didn't happen, happen to you, but it happened to me. And they pull those dudes out, and you're like, ow. Yes? And so they, that's the idea, right? They go in there. They're looking at your teeth, and you kind of think about that idea. They're like, it's pointing out the spots where they got to take them out. And, and I'm like, no, those things fit in there just fine. They're like, no, these ones got to come out of here. You know, you're doing all this stuff. And, and such was the case with Javen, because he had had braces, and these wisdom teeth are coming in. They were going to mess up the braces, and we were like, Son, we paid all the monies. So guess what? The wisdom teeth are coming out, right? So we're doing that. We go and take the wisdom teeth out. He, you know, he, he takes like the, the stuff and they put the gas on him. And I bring him from the car with Celeste. And, and man, he is groggy. And he's like, "Woo! how are you doing? You know? And we were like, wow. And then he was like, everybody should get their wisdom teeth taken out. It's great. And then he felt like that next picture you could see where it did not feel so great right after that. Anybody else? And it kind of brought this back to this idea that sometimes when we go through difficult things, it's so our future will be better. And it doesn't seem like it's an emergency right now, but we know if we let those things sit and fester, that guess what? It's going to break up all the good work that's already been done. And that's the same thing in our lives spiritually. It's one of those things that that's why we have to deal with sin. That's why we have to get it out of our lives. If we don't do it, even though oh, it's just a little, it's just a little sin, but if we don't do it, that thing will take root and then it will push out and mess up all the other things that God has already had aligned in your, in your life through great effort. Anybody else? Removing sin from our lives. And that's why it's such an imperative that we take those steps to follow after Jesus. And we come to the altar and step out in faith and ask him to help us for breakthrough for these other things to happen. Because we need to have that kind of freedom in our lives spiritually. All of us want to have that better future. Amen? But that better future takes work. Because it means we have to follow where Jesus is leading. Now, the setting picks up here. We're in Jerusalem. You see the city before you and the idea of that ancient city, a bustling city full of people. And they would go to the Temple Mount to worship. Now, I want to show you some of these images because it's, it's important to the story later. But you see the Temple Mount before you. It's a massive thing. It's a, it's a very important piece. 
Um, it's one of the key things that were built in that time. And you could see before you as they would have all these meeting areas and colonnades and different places where people would go. And that's where Jesus went to teach. And so he goes there early in the morning in the cool of the day to the temple. And the people come to him and sit down and he's teaching them at the temple in there in the space. And of course, the scribes and the Pharisees, they have this plan where they're going to test Jesus. And so they bring this woman who was caught in adultery to him in the middle of the temple. Now, this is an interesting thing. This is where they're bringing her in to Jesus because they knew Jesus would be there. And you think about that concept, right? It says that they brought her into the midst of the place where he was teaching. That's one way to break up a teaching, isn't it? Suddenly, like, someone bursts through the door. They're like, Pastor Jay, we caught this person doing this thing. What should we do with them? Should we kill them with rocks? Be like, uh, hold on a second. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can think about, that's what they were trying to do, was they were trying to catch him, trying to get him to slip up so they could, you know, make a defamation against him and, and say that he was a charlatan. So you think about this woman caught in adultery. Man, it, could you think about what she was experiencing? Obviously, she was doing something she wasn't supposed to do. And then they catch her. They drag her through the city from wherever she was up to the temple mount, into the temple, and then put her before a crowd of people who are listening to a rabbi, Jesus, the Messiah, teach. Man, you want to talk about shame. You want to talk about deliberate shaming. And of course, that's what they were doing. That's what they were about. They're trying to kill her and, and do these things. They said, teacher, this woman's been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? What do you say? You think about that question. And so many times we, we have this question for God because we see in the scripture where it says this, and we're like, man, well, God, what are you saying to me? How, what does that mean to my life today? Anybody been there? Have you ever been there and you're like trying to get an answer about something that's not deliberately in the scripture? Anybody been there? You're like, should I buy Bitcoin? Yes or no? Lord, what does it say? The book of hesitations, it says, or whatever, fill in the blank. Right? But the idea is that. It's like, man, what do we do? What do we do about this? And, and they're, they're right. God gave us the law. He did give us the law. And that's exactly what happened. God gave us the law. He did so on reason. So their justification is we're just doing what he told us to do. We're just doing what he told us to do here. And so they're putting that to Jesus. And in their reference is actually found in Deuteronomy 22. It's very clear. He's saying this to the children of Israel. He says, if a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman. You shall purge the evil from Israel. See, God, especially in the law, is about holiness. It's about setting ourselves apart from other actions and from the actions that are against his heart. So if someone was sinning against God, he had a very sharp judgment against them. In doing so, well, guess what? That person's not going to do it anymore, are they? Because they're not here. And it also reminds the next set of people who are thinking about it. You're like, you remember such and such? Yeah, what happened to them? Oh, they got bludgeoned to death with large rocks. And yeah, maybe we shouldn't hook up with each other. What do you think? Yeah, probably not. You should probably go home to your husband. It has an effect. 
And so that's what the law was. That's because God was trying to steer them collectively away from heartbreak and away from all the things that happened there. Because what happens? And the husband finds out about the wife being unfaithful and he goes and kills this guy. And then the, the family member of that person goes and kills this person. And then everybody ends up blind, right? But that's what happens. And so it spars a bunch of questions in my mind as well when you read that scripture. Like, one, where is the guy? The woman caught in adultery, it should have been like this couple was caught in adultery. But it's not that way, is it? It's, no, this woman was caught in adultery. No, where's the guy at? Where is he? And how was this found out? It's like, no, we caught them in the act of adultery. What are you doing? What are you doing running around where people are having adultery somewhere? How are you catching them exactly? And if you were Jesus, you'd be like, why are you bringing this to me? You know what I mean? <laughs> you have a court system. No. But we do ask that question, why did God command this? And it really does have to do with those things. He was trying to set people on that right path. We've talked about earlier in our Lenses series about decisions determine your destiny. And we talked about how the way we think and feel, it really de it determines our actions because it affects the way that we make our decision-making process and thus all of the consequences that come from them. And sometimes we don't want to deal with the consequences of our actions. Anybody been there? Um, my hand is definitely raised. You know, it's, uh, man, I'm like, Lord, if you would be so gracious as to help me not have the consequences of my dumb choices, I would appreciate it. Because I bought Bitcoin. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. The idea is this, that they said that they would come back and, and they were trying to test Jesus with this idea. So they don't bring the guy. They come and they throw her at his feet. And they're saying, what should we do with this woman? They're essentially trying to make him, instead of being the gracious Christ, they're trying to make him be an executioner. And so it says they, they said this to test him and they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. You think about this. What is he writing, Right? It never says in scripture what he's writing. It's like they bring him up, and I love this. Jesus doesn't respond. He doesn't do these things. He just bends down, bends down, just starts riding in the ground. And they're talking the whole time. But no, Rabbi, what should we do? And blah, blah, blah. He's just riding in the ground. And I think eventually they started looking at what he was writing, right? At first, they're just wanting to get a response out of him. And they're like, what's the guy doing? Is he bluffing? Is he filibustering? What's he doing? And he's just writing stuff and writing things. And you... <laughs> And you got to know that he had to be writing something. What was he writing? Do you think it was, I, I think it was this. I think it was the word of God. I think he was writing exactly that we are all fallen people. And he was writing the very rules they were using against her. He was writing back to them. Now, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was a lot more personal. It was like, Bob, liar, you know, Carlito was over here. He stole some of this. This person did this thing, you know. He said it was a shekel of gold. It wasn't lie stealer. You know, it's like, oh, he could have wrote whatever he wanted in the dirt. But it's interesting. He does, he writes the thing, and then he gets up and says that statement. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down and wrote on the ground. Maybe it was a two-part saga. Maybe he was writing down sins on one part, 
And then after he said that, he wrote the names in the other column. Maybe that's what it was. But I love this because he says that who without sin cast the first stone. Without sin. We know in scripture it says many places. It's very succinct here in, in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we know this. It says it in scripture. It's one of the things that we know about all mankind. All of us have that brokenness in us. That's why we need a savior. That's why Christ came is to restore that relationship back from us, the creation, to the creator, the father. That's why he came to us. And so we see this, and we also have to know this, and this is so funny, and it's so true. I hear it all the time, especially friends of mine. You know, they, when they find out I'm a pastor, and, and we connect, and then they find out I'm a pastor, and they feel bad about the things they've been saying to me, right? They're like, rats of rats of I'm saying all these words, and they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor of a church. They're like, okay, great. I'm glad I had those word choices. And told you that raunchy joke. Okay, how are you, pastor? And then it changes, right? There's a lot of like tonality change. Here's the thing. The God of the universe, he knows everything you've done. It's not if you walk in church, suddenly he finds out. It's hilarious because that's how people sometimes act. It's like, well, if I go in there, then God will judge me. It's like, God knows about you. Why do you think I'm here talking to you? Because God loves you. He loves you anyways. God loves you anyways. He knows the mistakes you made. He loves you anyways. That's why Christ came. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love the wisdom that's here in the story. It's a very specific part of this story. It says in John 8, 9, when they heard it, they went away one by one. Beginning with who? The older ones. And why is that? Because the older ones knew they were a sinner. They knew that they needed to make sacrifice. They knew better and they had a lot to lose. They had, they had seniority, they had position, they had prestige, they had their name, they had wealth, riches, all this stuff. And he's like, do you want me to finish the column on the right hand with your sin? Maybe, maybe he did that. Maybe he was like, Jesus put the young ones first. He was like, these young ones are crazy anyway. They're going to stand around here with the rocks. So we're going to put their name first. Maybe it was the older ones were at the bottom. And before he could fill in the sin, they're like, I'm out. Bye. See you. Catch you next time, Jesus. But I love that beginning with the older ones. There's some wisdom in that living that life piece, isn't there? The older ones are like, nope, nope. I see how this is going. This is not going in our favor. We are out of here. And notice this. Notice they didn't take the woman with them to go complete their own judgment against her. They just turned and got out of there, which meant they were guilty. They knew it themselves. Now, think about this place where they are in the Middle East. It's, it's a, a beautiful piece of land, but a lot of rocks, right? But here's the thing that they were at. They were at the Temple Mount. There wasn't a lot of rocks laying around the Temple Mount, so that means that they had to go and get rocks from outside the city to come and have that judgment against her. Think about that. Think about how intentional they had to be to, to have that kind of judgment ready to go. They're like, no, I got my rock. I'm ready to go. It, it's, it's interesting because I, I heard this thing growing up. I didn't quite understand it, but it makes sense now as I'm a bit older. They say people that live in glass houses should not throw rocks 
You know, people that are built on holiness should know that they're not holy. You know, and they're walking around with this judgment rock ready to judge somebody, not realizing the same judgment can come for them. It's what Jesus' leader teaches, and we see it in Scripture in another book. It's talking about this idea of plank eye, and the idea of having a board or a log in your eye, not being able to see. It says here in Matthew 7, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log or the plank that's in your own? So, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Yikes. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Remove the plank. Remove the the plank. They're walking around with this judgment ready to, to bring it at someone else because they have this, this plank in their eye, this log in their eye. This, this, they're making this mistake, this sin. I know the law. I'm ready to execute the law. Meanwhile, they want grace on their own behalf, don't they? Because, well, I know my own intentions. I intended to be good, but they're a bad. They're a rotter. They're terrible, right? Don't we? Don't we do that? And that's where it brings us to here. He, he's even talking about tensions the other way. We're called to be those who encourage each other in living towards Christ. We're called to be those people. But it's about our intentionality. Are you doing it so they will be more like Christ? Or are you doing it to pass judgment? Man, this is a hard one. Especially hard for church people who have been church people a long time. Because we forget what it's like to be a rotten sinner. Because we've experienced a lot of God's grace. So we're so far removed from the consequences that we once had while we were living a sinful life that we forget and we start picking up rocks. Friends, let's not be those. Let's not be those. It says when they heard it, they went away one by one. <laughs> I love it. Because what happened is by Jesus just clearly explaining to them that they too were a sinner. Suddenly they dropped the rocks. And the rocks fell out of their hands and they walked away. Here's the thing today for all of us is that we have those things in our own heart, emotionally, that become rocks that we use to judge others. And here's the thing that Christ is talking to us about as Christ followers, those who are going with him on a journey, is that we are called to be those who drop the rocks. And we reach out in love, not in condemnation. And I know that's hard. One of my favorite things when I was young was to think about how terrible all these sinners were around me. And they were going to burn in hellfire and how good I was. It was warm inside. I was like, I'm so good. God loves me. You're going to burn. I'm so good. Oh, you guys weren't like that? You guys are much better than me then. But a whole bunch of religious people in the Bible were that way. Called the Pharisees, Sadducees, all these other people. And it was Christ who's the one who came and talked to them about it. He's the one talking to us about it today. What is it that unforgiveness that you have in your heart? 
What is it the person that you hate X, Y, Z about them? What is it the thing that you are easily to say they're a throwaway person or people group or, or whatever because you have that judgment built up in your heart? Friends, how you judge will be judged to you. It says that's why we come to Christ. He forgives us. What's the prayer? Forgive us our debtors, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Means forgive us our sins, our mistakes, the things where we've gone wrong, as we are the same that forgive others. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be those that drop the rocks. Now, for me, I'll tell you, as a kid growing up out here, I loved growing up out here in the West Valley. We'd go skateboard around in Litchfield Park. You see the palm trees going overhead. You have the friends out running amok, doing all the things in the streets you shouldn't be doing. Anybody else? This is good times, man. This is back before you had to be inside all the time as a child, right? You could wander, do whatever you want. It was great. It was a good time. And it was something about that. But the thing was, is that, to be honest, I just didn't really feel very much of myself. Like, I dealt with pride a lot because I was, like, overcompensating for the way I felt inside about not being anybody special. Not being someone who'd be able to do anything significant. I had this thought process inside of my head. And and when I got called, this call to ministry, I outright rejected a call to ministry because, nope, because I didn't believe it about myself. There's no way I could do it. Because I'm just a kid from the west side of Phoenix. I can't do it. I'm not from some special place with some special story or some special thing happening. I'm just not. And so when God started working through my life and started calling me to ministry, and I, I could tell you it was right there at the corner of that, of that altar when I was dealing with God about giving my own, up my own ambitions and my own path for my life to follow after what he was saying to me in ministry... When I was willing to say yes, I didn't know anything. I was like, God, I can't do it. And, and it literally, it was like the word came to me as like, you need to walk with me. You need to trust me. And as you do that and as you trust the Lord, it's not a, a big, huge miracle. It's the small step every day. And he took the very things that I, I love doing and he used that as a reach, way to reach out to the kids in this community at the time. Like I was, I was a little skater kid and so we started using skateboarding as a way to bridge the gap. And we first just go skate with people, go hang out with people. And then we built Epic Park here at the church because they didn't have any skate parks around us and made a safe place for kids to skate and bike and other things like that. And started seeing, man, it was first, it was like 20, then 30, 40, 50, even 100 kids on the weekend, every weekend, come out and connect with us just to ride some ramps. And we were just being the love of Christ to them where they were at. Or we'd come and bring like Christian artists in and, and have like concerts and engage with them in a way that, that connected to them, trying to be there as the hands and feet and love of God extended to them. These are the same kids that, that everybody else was like, well, these kids are messing up everything. They're skateboarding on everything. And there's a bunch of punk rock kids. Like, what are these kids? See, God loved those kids too. He loved them very much. And I was one of those kids. And so he took one of those kids and he used them to reach the other ones of those kids. And that's the same thing he does with you. Is that he takes you and your sphere of influence and the story you have. And he uses you to reach out with the love of Christ to the people around you. He uses you as a minister of the gospel. You don't need to have a pastoral name and title. You are a minister of the gospel. So live as a minister of the gospel and don't disqualify yourself. Comes back, Jesus 
He writes in the dirt. Everyone walks away. He stands up. He says to the woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? (laughs) I love this. This is God fighting on our behalf. He's the one working ahead of us that we can't do. That question, has no one condemned you? Friends, here's the thing. There are a lot of people who think they can judge you, but they can't condemn you because they don't own eternity. Only the living God does that. So you should be concerned about what he thinks about you and how he values you and your relationship with him. See, God is our righteous judge. He's the true judge of everything. So you should live as if he's the one you're going to come and talk to because he is. I love it. Where are they? No one, Lord. No one has, is there. No one's condemned her. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Go and sin no more. See, the forgiveness, the dropping of the rock situation is not about just the grace. It's also about living a life with Christ. It's not just a get out of hell free pass. It's also living after Christ. So it's friends, it's not just about this. Like he's not winking at your mistakes and at your sin. He forgives us as we truly come to him and ask forgiveness. But we also need to be those who are living after Christ. Those who drop the rocks ourselves. Today, as we come to a time of close, we ask that question. Has anyone condemned you? And friends, since they haven't condemned you, let me encourage you to go and sin no more. That you need to go and you need to deal with those things, the rocks that we want to pick up and use as judgment. Don't let that get in between you and God. Instead, search your heart. Search your heart and ask the Lord to help you to forgive and to be those who live the love of God outwards. Maybe you're here and you've never made that decision to follow Christ. Today is your opportunity to do so. All of us who are Christ followers, the only thing that separates us from anyone else is we've embraced Jesus and his work for us upon the cross. Today may be a time where you're recommitting that decision. Maybe you've walked away from a decision after God. Today is your day where you can make a decision to follow him. You know, the symbol of the cross is one of salvation for us. It was meant as terror. It was meant as an intimidation because it's how people died. But Jesus became a sacrifice for all people. He washed away the sin of the world, away your mistakes and my mistakes. And because of it, we can have a living relationship with the living God. It's powerful. It says in scripture in Romans 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, for with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Today, friends, is your opportunity to embrace what Christ has done for you. And we're going to do this. We're going to come and during this song, we're going to open up the altar. And if there's anything, any place where you need to meet God, maybe you just want more of God. Maybe you just want to come and have another time with God. We're going to open up this altar for you that you would come and and have that place of meeting with God. Maybe you need to drop some rocks in your life. 
I can't tell you what it is. That's the Holy Spirit in you. But we are gonna open up this altar for you to do so. I'm gonna ask you if you would, if you'd stand for just a moment and bow your heads where you are. Friends, if that's you here today and you wanted to make a decision to follow Christ or a decision to recommit your heart and life to Christ, as heads are bowed here in the room, you say a simple prayer, something like this. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for sending Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life to you. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And his heads are bowed here in the room. If that's you today, if you would just raise your hand and just let me know that you prayed that prayer today. I just want to agree with you and celebrate with you. I see a hand and a hand and a hand. Thank you, Jesus, and a hand, and a hand over here. Lord, we give you praise. Friends, we rejoice with you today. Today is the day of salvation and forgiveness. It's the day that you've been looking for. It's that one where you start that relationship with God. And let me encourage you, as we have some resources from you, from our friends in the back, that you would connect with us. Let us know you made the decision. We want to cheer you on. We believe in a big God, and he has great things ahead of you. It's just, it's just the beginning. Friends, for all of us, I'm going to pray and we're going to open up this altar to you. But if that's you and you need to come and you need to set down the rocks that you've been using to judge others, the same rocks that probably you deal with in your own life, if that's you, we open this altar to you today that all of us will go closer to Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you how you speak it over us and it's alive. Lord, we thank you for this example of grace that you showed to this woman caught in adultery. Lord, there's a judgment that could be passed, but you showed grace and love. Lord, you did not condemn, but Lord, you call us to repentance. So Lord, we come to this altar. Lord, we come to meet with you. Lord, maybe it's to forgive. Maybe it's, Lord, just to ask for empowerment to live, Lord, in a different way. Lord, to live your path. Lord, in all these things, we give you praise. We pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in and through us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your love that you pour out so richly upon us. Lord, you love us. And we're so thankful. And we respond to your love and praise. Lord, for all the decisions that were made today, Lord, we ask that you would seal it in hearts. Lord, that every single one, Lord, will walk out of this place, Lord, lighter, feeling the forgiveness, the lightness that is you. Lord, not any heavy burden, but instead, Lord, forgiven and walking in the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. We thank you for all these things. Lord, we ask, Lord, for all those that came earlier, Lord, that you would meet them and be their miracle. Lord, we look forward to hearing what you are doing in people's lives and to hear those praise reports of healing, we pray in Jesus' name. Friends, we're so thankful that you joined us today at Cornerstone. If you would, take one of these and invite a friend and a neighbor around you. Let them, let them come and be a part of what God is doing. Let them have their own experience with God. But it comes with someone inviting them. So be that invitation to them. Take one of these. They're at the cafe for you. We have all sorts of stuff for you there. If you are a guest of ours and you have one of those cards, take it to the cafe. We have a gift for you. We're so glad that you're with us today. We look forward to you being back with us as well. 
Before we go, let me pray this blessing over us. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord, I pray a blessing upon your church, your people. God, that you would empower us by your love. Lord, to live for you as an example you called us to be. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Know this. We love you very much here at Cornerstone. God bless you and have a great week.